shut up, you listen to my monkey mouth. As a companion, when you got pun on the canoe route, popped in a portal and got in a fight. Elias knocked him out. Bow, Marco fighting style. Bow, you'll see he tapped out. Bow, we win, we get crowned. Monkey mouth, monkey mouth, monkey mouth, monkey mouth. Alrighty, everybody, thank you for tuning in to this, the 44th iteration of the Konoha Companion. This is Joshua, as always, and I'm going to be your Konoha Companion. And on this episode, we're going to be covering episode 43 of Naruto, entitled Killer Kunoichi and a Shaky Shikamaru. Before I dive too far off into that, though, I do want to go over what happened in the previous episode in my own words, kind of briefly, so we can all be caught up. And so, on the previous episode, Sakura and Ino agreed to fight at full strength against one another after, like, kind of uh, fighting with the kid gloves on, uh, as Tintin put it. Uh, Sakura charges forward using a, a, a clone jutsu, and she infuses Chakra into her feet to give her a speed boost. Uh, and she, like, has both of her clones throw big kicks, and then as Ino's blocking them, she hits her with a big right hand. Um... At this point, it's revealed that she's not only infusing Chakra into her feet to make herself run faster, but she's also infusing Chakra into her strikes at just the right moment to make it more powerful. Uh, Kakashi recognizes this and even mentions that she's doing a better job at this than what he believes Sasuke could do. So we've found a thing where Sakura is yet again ahead of Sasuke in a particular way. When it comes to chakra balance and control, your girl Sakura is like that person in the series so far. Sakura and Ino wind up fighting for 10 straight minutes, perfectly matched, um, like blow for blow, and eventually wind up knocking each other down. Sakura talks a bunch of shit and Ino cuts her hair to prove Sakura wrong about Ino being more worried about her looks than being worried about her fighting. Ino throws her hair in Sakura's direction, and this was actually just a ploy to get some thin chakra-infused ninja ropes uh, spread around Sakura. Uh, those ninja ropes would later uh, immobilize Sakura whenever Ino busts out and fakes her mind transfer jutsu and forces Sakura to dodge into the trap, leaving her immobilized. This opens her up to the actual mind transfer jutsu, which lands and Ino takes over Sakura's body. Naruto yells from the stands and seemingly manages to awaken Sakura. Sakura grows huge in her mind and grabs Ino in the palm of her hands and casts her out. Kakashi determines that Sakura was able to kick Ino out because of Sakura's defiant heart and combative attitude towards Ino, in conjunction with Naruto yelling and awakening Sakura to start. Asuma, who is Ino's sensei, seems to think that it's because Ino used up too much chakra before attempting the jutsu. Ino asks how Sakura can have two spirits in her, 
and furthermore asks just what is Sakura anyways, right? So at this point, uh, Kakashi thinks it's because of a complex mix of Naruto speaking and uh, Sakura's combative spirit and defiant heart. Uh, Ino thinks that Sakura literally has two spirits and that's what allowed her to circumvent the jutsu. And Asuma thinks that simply Ino didn't have enough chakra left after the long fight to execute the jutsu properly. It hasn't been clearly defined yet. Everybody kind of has their own thoughts on it. We're going to see what the series reveals as we go forward, if it ever does revisit this. After Sakura breaks the jutsu, they stand up and charge one another one last time. They both land like big right hands and uh, knock each other's uh, headbands off and send each other to the floor um, and effectively like knocking each other out. Uh, because it was a double knockout, neither of them get to pass to the next round of the tuning exams, which is kind of bunk, but that I guess that is what it is. Like, no one wins, so no one moves forward. Uh, Kakashi and Asuma go down and get their respective students out of the battle arena and bring them up to the stands. Um, they both feel as though they don't need medical attention. They're just going to be able to wake up and do course. Kakashi admits that he had his doubts about Sakura without Sasuke and Naruto around to help in the fight, but that she proved herself today. Sakura and Ino wake up together, and Ino gives Sakura her due props, admitting that Sakura has finally found a way to bloom into a beautiful flower. Um, but ultimately, the good vibes pretty much in there, and they wind up having to like talk a bunch of shit back and forth. Uh, and, you know, they're rivals and they're longtime friends and, like, they're not going to give each other an easy time ever. The next fight is announced to be Tintin versus Tamari and they square off and the episode ends. And with that, we can get to the start of the current episode where Tamari and Tintin is announced and they square off. As they square off, the title slide comes in and Naruto reads Killer Kunoichi and Ashiki Shikamaru. Hayate tells the girls to start, and Tintin immediately leaps back to get the fight at her preferred range, and Tamari just kind of stands there with her hands on her hips, like she's like just completely disconcerned with what's happening in front of her. Uh, Rock Lee and Sensei, uh, Guy Sensei, are just like cheering like maniacs in the in the stands, and Naruto even like remarks on how did I find myself in the cheer section of this whole thing. Lord Third thinks on how smart a move it is for Tintin to get to her preferred range and that from here she'll easily be able to attack or defend. Hayate loses his patience and tells them to get after it. Tamari mocks and says that the first move she makes will be the last move of the fight. So let's have Tintin go first so that there can be something of interest that happens in this fight. Tintin obliges and throws several shuriken at Tamari, but they uh, they like drop right in front of Tamari. Like, and Tamari like kind of does like a quick fidget, um, and so it's like clear that like she's knocked the shuriken down. Um, Tintin just can't believe that she missed, and Tamari continues to mock her. Guy Sensei also can't believe it. In his own words, Tintin never misses. From the stands, Shikamaru is already uh, calling the fight over, right? 
Um, and this, and obviously he's saying that it's in favor of uh, Tamari. This frustrates Naruto, and Naruto asks uh, for Shikamaru to explain how he can see that the fight is over already. But Shikamaru is like, man, if you can't see it, I'm not going to take the time to explain it to you. Just watch. Tintin then runs and leaps in the air and busts out a scroll and spins the scroll around her as she flies through the air. She begins to spin faster and faster, and the scroll begins summoning ninja weapons that uh, hurl towards Tamari. Tamari yet again seemingly does nothing at all, and yet all the blades miss their mark to the shock of Tintin and everyone involved. Tamari then points out that she's opened her fan far enough to expose one of her three decorative moons. Uh, she warns Tintin that there are two more moons in her fan, and that uh, when Tintin sees the third fan, the fight is over. Like that, that's a wrap, dog. Tintin thinks she has uh, something that she was saving for the later rounds, but it looks like this could be now or never time. So she pulls out two scrolls and stands them upright on the ground on either side of her. She then casts the appropriate hand sign and yells, Rising Twin Dragons. And a huge plume of smoke consumes her and out of the smoke erupts two giant smoke dragons that swirl around each other in a double helix pattern directly upwards. Uh, the dragons turn into scrolls, and Tintin leaps directly between the two, and as they're all spinning, the, the scrolls begin to summon ninja weapons for Tintin to throw. And uh, Tintin throws all kinds of weapons at Tamari, but Tamari simply opens her fans a little wider, exposing the second moon, and waves it in the direction of the incoming barrage and knocks every blade to the floor with literally one motion. Tintin lands and uh, like just claims that she's not done yet mm -hmm. and leaps in the air and reveals uh, that uh, all of the weapons that she had thrown are attached to her fingers via these like chakra-infused ninja, ninja threads. It's a, almost like the Puppet Master Jutsu that uh, Konkuro from Team Sand was using. She like manipulates the strings and it makes all of the, all the blades lift up and point towards Tamari all at once. She like flails her arms and it sends all the blades at Tamari once. Tamari, uh, Tamari easily sends all of the weapons and Tintin flying backwards into the floor with a single swipe of her fan yet again. Tintin sits up and sees that Tamari has her fan open to the point that you can see all three moons, right? And earlier Tamari said that when you see all three moons, this fight's over. So this fight's over at this point according to Tamari, yet they're still fighting. Tamari then hides behind her fan and then disappears behind it. She like does a spin move with the fan and all of a sudden they like completely disappear. And this leaves uh, Tintin like shocked and confused and like looking around for, Tin for Tamari. At which point Tamari comes flying in on her fan. She's riding it like some type of magic carpet from Aladdin, taunting Tintin. She lands and demands that it's her turn 
and yells wind scythe jutsu and she swings her fan towards Tintin, sending a swirling wind style jutsu toward Tintin. Tintin becomes enveloped in the vortex of wind and gets lifted and suspended in the air. The jutsu begins to cut Tintin all over the place with tons of like little cuts, like paper cuts. Neji at this point is able to determine from the stands that Tamari is controlling the whirlwind with her chakra and that Tintin has fought well, but there is no escape in that jutsu at this point. Tamari lets Tintin go from the whirlwind and as she falls, she basically like uh, sets her fan out and like hits, Tamari, uh, hits Tintin with a backbreaker, right? Like she falls flat on it like that and like bends backwards uh like banded batman um so she's in like she like spits up blood um and it is effectively completely incapacitated at tintin tamari mocks that it wasn't much of a fight and that it was kind of boring and guy sensei even remarks aloud how incredible it was for her to be able to stop all of tintin's attacks Everyone collectively takes a moment to recognize how impressive the performance was and how, and how formidable the Sand siblings really are. Hayate declares Tamari the winner and she disrespectfully hurls Tintin towards the ground, but Rock Lee can't stand it, jumps in and catches Tintin before she just flops on the ground. Lee scolds Tamari and Tamari tells him to scram and to take that sack of garbage that is Tintin with him. This infuriates Lee and he goes to Leaf Hurricane spin kick Tamari, but she easily blocks it with her fan. Like, just moves it right in the way and it stops the kick entirely. She mocks Lee for being as stupid as he looks, uh, and at this point, Guy Sensei leaps in and like de-escalates the situation. Gara from in the stands demands that Tamari not waste her time on the pathetic loser that is Lee or his ridiculous mentor. This obviously like pisses off Lee like no one wants to get called a loser and then Lee's super protective of his sensei. Guy puts his hand on Lee's shoulder and tells him to calm down. Guy then calls out the Sand siblings for being dismissive of Lee when they're unfamiliar with what Lee is capable of. While this is going on, Kiba and Hinata discuss amongst themselves how crazy Lee is for picking a fight with someone as scary as Gara. Sakura tells Naruto that she thinks that uh, Naruto can take Gara, and then gives him a pep talk to do good in his fight and then also thanks him for his role in helping her break the mind transfer jutsu that uh, Ino had her under. The next fight is determined to be between Shikamaru of uh, Team Ino Shikacho under the guidance of Asuma and uh, Keen of Team Dosu from the Sound Village that's under the direction of Orochimaru. Dosu reminds Keen as she's on the way to the battle arena that Shikamaru wields shadows and warns her to be wary of the shadows during the fight, and Keen seems very confident. Shikamaru's generally displeased with having to fight a girl, and as they square off, Shikamaru is additionally displeased with the fact that he never got to see her jutsu, and she was able to see his jutsu during the fight during the Forest of Death. 
giving him some like communicable disadvantages. Hayate tells them to begin, and Shikamaru immediately tries his shadow possession jutsu, uh, which Keen easily dodges and mocks that if that's all Shikamaru's got, this is going to be really easy for her. And she throws Senbon, the, like, the throwing needles. Think back to Haku in Arc 1, right? The little needles that he was using during the Crystal Ice Mirror's Dome. Mm -hmm. Same thing, except these have uh, additionally uh, bells on them for some reason or another, which will get uh, described, uh, basically. I mean, we could, we'll just go along because it does get described as we go. Shikamaru squats and avoids them, and they stick in the wall behind him. He then realizes that Keen will be mixing in Sinbon that don't have bells, so while he's distracted with the louder ones that are coming his way, uh, she'll be able to catch him off guard with ones that aren't making any noise. Keen at this point then manages to rattle the bells on the Sinbon behind Shikamaru with threads from her fingers, and Shikamaru turns to address what the potential threat is that the noise posed, and she uh, sticks him with a couple Sinbon while he's, you know, from, like, he turns to look at what the bells were, and then he gets hit with some Sinbon. Suddenly, the bells begin to jingle again, and Shikamaru drops to his knees. Keen reveals that the bells have a special sound to them that causes disorientation, paralysis, and hallucinations. Shikamaru tries to cover his ears, but it's too late. And suddenly, Keen turns into dozens of herself presumably a hallucination at this point on Shikamaru's behalf. Shikamaru realizes he can no longer tell which one is the real one and says so out loud, at which point Keen hits Shikamaru with three Senmon and tells him next time she'll throw five and she'll throw a couple more at him every time until he looks like a hedgehog. Shikamaru talks shit and Keen agrees to take him out quickly uh, and she goes to throw her Sinbon, but realizes that she can't. Suddenly, all of the fakes disappear, and it's revealed that she's been caught in Shikamaru's Shadow Possession Jutsu. Shikamaru reveals he'd cast a thin shadow along the bottom of the threads, pulling the bells that, uh, that Keen was using to pull the bells. Right, so like, Keen's here, the bells that she's ringing are back there, and there's these threads that are going past Shikamaru. And so he just put a little shadow on the ground underneath those threads back to the real one. And it was such a thin shadow that Keen never noticed it. Um, at this point, Keen mocks that Shikamaru won't be able to do anything because his jutsu forces them to mirror each other's movements. So if he does anything to hurt her, she'll be doing something to hurt him. Shikamaru then throws shuriken, forcing her to throw shuriken at him as well. Shikamaru leans back to avoid the attack, and so too does Keen. But Keen is next to a wall, and when she leans back to avoid the shuriken, she bonks her head on the wall and knocks herself out. Shikamaru mocks, that's what he calls using your head, and he then goes on to say a wise shinobi carefully scouts the layout of the battlefield and never loses sight of their position on it. Hayate declares Shikamaru the winner. The next fight is determined to be between Naruto and Kiba, 
and Kiba acts like he just won the lottery with an easy fight. And poor, foolish Kiba. Naruto got that crazy Ninetale energy in him. It's not. It's it's crazy um, what he can do. We're going to see. Uh, Rock Lee at this point is depicted to be growing more and more impatient, itching for a fight, and that he just wants an opportunity to show Sakura what he's made of. Kakashi sees this and uh, thinks how much Lee is like Guy Sensei whenever he was that age. Kakashi then tells Naruto that it's his moment. Uh, and that uh, he needs to go out there and show everybody how much he's grown. Naruto clenches his fist and thinks aloud, it's my time to shine. And the episode ends. And so I do have some final thoughts that I want to go over just to make sure that like all of the important points are coherently understood by all the viewers. Um, and so, damn, Tamari's a beast, right? That's the first thought is Tamari's a beast. I cannot believe she did 10-10 like that. Tintin's a member of Team Guy with like Lee and Neji and like we've we know that Lee's a badass and we know that Neji has like a super effective Daljutsu in the Byakugan and is referred to as like the top rookie from last year and so you would think that Tintin would be a beast as well but maybe she's like the Sakura of her team right like you know you've got the over-the-top good ninja that is Neji, and then you've got uh, the, the mid-ninja that is Rock Lee, and then you've got the, the low-end ninja that is uh, that is Tintin. Or maybe, you know, because that's how they did it with Team 7. Really, they say they try and make these teams balanced, and so Team 7 has top-of-the-class Sasuke, middle-of-the-class Sakura, bottom-of-the-class Naruto, but we all know that it isn't really that power scale. It's really like... Right now, it's probably like Sasuke. Well, really, I mean, Nar we saw what Naruto did against the Crystal Ice Mirror. So, Naruto's clearly the strongest. Sasuke's mid. And uh, Sakura's the bottom, right? So, like, there's a pretty, like, linear relationship between, like, how these teams are formed that you can see. Um, I don't think that they were intending for Naruto to be the strongest when they put that team together in terms of the leaders of the Leaf. Just It just so happens that that's where it's at. Uh, Tintin had some fun jutsu. She basically summons weapons with scrolls and has perfect aim and infinite weapons via her scrolls. And uh, the rising twin dragons was dope. The way that, like, it was smoke dragons and they turned into scrolls and the double helix pattern and the fast spinning and all the neato weapons that she had access to. It's cool stuff. Um, I'm certain that it would be, like, really, really effective against basically anybody other than Timari. Timari's a really real badass evidently on the subject of tamari uh tamari with her fan is unreal it's super defensively able right like 1010 don't miss 1010 has infinite weapons and she couldn't even get one shot landed on tamari and then uh tamari was able to take 1010 out with literally one single offensive jutsu so on top of her being hard to hit she's also hitting really hard so uh, it's a tough deal. Tough deal whenever you're fighting Tamari. I couldn't believe... I mean, I guess I can believe the disrespect out of Tamari, right? Like, she's got a teammate who turns people into blood brain. Okay? So, to say that it's rude to toss an unconscious person to the ground whenever their teammates turning unconscious people into blood mist, like, there's clearly levels to the impoliteness that you can experience as a shinobi. 
and ten and uh, Tamari isn't the worst on the scale, even in her own team. But it definitely was enough to piss off old Rock Lee. And again, uh, shout out to Rock Lee for being like a god honest good dude, white knight type. Saw his teammate was being disrespected, couldn't handle it, came down, scalded Tamari. Tamari poked fun back, called Ten Ten a, a heap of trash, triggered Rockley, and Rockley tried to hit her with a Leaf Hurricane, and she literally just blocked it like it was nothing. And I mean, the Leaf Hurricane is like a fight-ending move. It's something that even Sasuke adapted and won a fight with, and so like it's a fight ender, bro. And Tamari just blocked it like it wasn't nothing. I really do love the pep talk that Sakura gave Naruto. She knew exactly what to say to motivate him, right? Tell him that he's going to be embarrassed in front of Sasuke and see what happens to Naruto. She also thanked him really sincerely for helping in the fight uh, whenever he called out for her. That was how she was able to effectively break the jutsu, at least in her mind, right? That's whenever it, it broke for her, is when Naruto came piercing through. Well, uh, she does thank him and says, I think that without that, I, I might have lost, right? I probably wouldn't be here. And Naruto's like, yeah, like lacking humility, and it really pisses off Sakura, but it was nice to see Sakura be, be kind to him. Shikamaru's smart as hell. Dude knew the fight between Ten Ten and Tamari was basically a wrap after Ten Ten's first attempted attack. And I also love how he was able to defeat Keen. Uh, Keen turned out to be a formidable foe with her bell jingle paralyze and hallucinate combo, but Shikamaru was just too smart. I love how uh, he won by distracting her, by putting himself in a vulnerable position, and by talking shit. Um, even funnier is that he, he won the match by making her knock herself out by leaning backwards into the wall while trying to avoid a shuriken. Like, it's so silly how he was able to get it done. And then up next, we've got uh, Naruto and Kiba. Let's fucking go. We're going to get to see Naruto in a real fight against uh, against Kiba. Um, yeah, it's going to be great. We're going to see how that goes. Um, obviously, Naruto's the MC, so it's going to be a dope fight. That's pretty much, pretty much where I'm at. Um, I do think it's funny that Kiba feels like he's basically won the lottery by fighting Naruto. This fool does not realize that Naruto has the nine-tailed fox inside of him. Like, homie, you got a, a puppy ninja hound. Naruto got a nine-tailed demon fox, bro. So, um, when it comes to the tag team ability, bro, I think that Naruto's like got the, got the ace up the sleeve that no one's really prepared for right now. But, I feel like that's enough. I've talked about the episode. This episode went kind of quickly, but, you know, they... they I mean, it was two fights. It, it, it wasn't as verbose. There wasn't as much to cover as there might have typically been. So, sub 30 minute episode today. But I feel as though I was able to pretty clearly uh, communicate what happened on this on this episode, how it related to the previous episode, and I've got us all oriented for uh, having a coherent set of thoughts moving forward into the next episode. And that's the primary goal. If you're listening along to the Konoha Companion, you ought to have your your head wrapped around. Uh, what's happening here and if you don't holler at me and I'll hop in the comments or uh, you know I'll address it in the next video or what have you um, I do believe I've got all the important stuff covered I don't think I, I, I missed anything that's gonna like really be too critical at all so I, I think that as long as you listen to this and take it serious and and follow along you're gonna be properly oriented to, to have your head wrapped around the rest of the show but at any rate 
uh, guys, that's a wrap. I'm Joshua. I'm your Kona companion. I appreciate y'all so much. Thank you so much for tuning in. Like, follow, share, participate in the comments. Y'all know the drill. The more y'all engage, the more valuable I look to potential advertisers. Um, although I don't know if I'm ever gonna write ads here. I'm probably just gonna probably just gonna sell merch to y'all. We're gonna see. We're gonna see. But you gotta be engaging in order for me to know. Um, so at any rate, uh, love all y'all. It's unconditional love all the time. You guys are dope. Thanks so much for joining me. Catch you on the next one. Peace.